0: to the Cobras and Fire podcast, where free balling isn't just a choice, it's a way of life. Now shake it one time for Peter. I'm your host, Baco, and I'm all you get today, people. Me and Luce, we had this special idea. We got this thing called Kissmas in July that we came up with by ourselves. Nobody else has ever done it. It is one of our most unique ideas that we have definitely not stolen from another podcast. What we've cooked up for all y'all, all Oh, you all is like, like now. Nah, we're going to do two solo eps, Kiss related, and release them at the same time. Kind of like Kiss did with their solo records in 1978. So when you're listening to this, you can also download, stream, or do whatever a solo episode that Luce put together, also Kiss related. And what we're going to do is we're going to give our own individual rankings of all the non-Kiss Kiss albums. What we're talking about is when someone was in Kiss and then left and then they released some music. So we're going to kind of go through all that. We, uh, I kind of did an article on this, I don't know, last year, I think, for Christmas in July. Uh, God, now that I think about it, maybe another website did do this before. Hmm. No matter. Anyway, we got a little bit of uh, structure to this whole thing. Basically... We're only including the stuff the artists did after they were in KISS. So nothing before KISS. We're not doing any Wicked Lester. We're not doing any Treasure. Nothing like that. It's everything like you know Vinnie Vincent would have done once he left KISS. For my solo app on KISS solo... I have all sorts of cool guests that we're going to chime in and help us kind of get through all these and I'm going to rank them basically from worst to best and so at the very end you will know definitively what the best non-kiss kiss record is and you can go home with that. So without much delay let's get into it coming in at number 20 is the Eric Singer project. Worried that uh, people might confuse drummers for actual musician, Eric uh, recruited, I don't know, some, his, some of his C-level industry pals to record, which is really just an unnecessary collection of songs you already know and undoubtedly would prefer to hear the original version. I, you know, oh, I remember I've mentioned that before, in, a, in, like I said in my article that I wrote, and I got some shit for calling uh, the members of his band C-level uh, celebrities and... You know, God bless them, but John Karabi and Bruce Kulick and Chuck Garrett are not A-listers. Whether you you prefer them to Bono or uh, James Hetfield or maybe Paul McCartney, you know, or Madonna, they are not the type of names you drop unless you're, you know, in a in a at a Kiss convention. You know what I mean? Not, nothing against them. If you put a gun to my head, I prefer him against all those guys I just named. They're just not A-listers, people. Let it go. Okay? It wasn't a shot. It was a mark of reality. But you, the the problem with this record is that you can't even say it's like a passion project for Eric. All he did was pick kind of, I don't know, already overdone songs for the most part. I don't know. I don't want to get too much into this. I gave this record a zero out of a ten. Um... I do have Paul Stanley here with me. Paul, what were your thoughts on this record? It's a nightmare. Agreed. So let's just move on to number 19, which is uh, Peter Chris's 2007 release, One for All. I don't know if you've ever bothered tracking this record down. It was some sort of Best Buy exclusive. Uh, it, at least they offered like some, like, Special offer, but I went there on release date and it wasn't. They didn't have any copies left, so they only they had to only stock like one or two because you know this record didn't sell for shit. And I, it it might have been six seven years later before I actually bothered giving it a spin on Spotify, and it's really bad. Um, <laughs> not nothing sounds good about it, and I and I think I read in Peter's book that he rec- he recorded it at his house. And it sounds like it. That doesn't sound like it was properly mastered or mixed. And he was basically just working with yes men who didn't want to see the end of the Peter Chris gravy train coming. But I got to believe they've found it at this point. So, um, Paul, any thoughts on this record? It's a nightmare. Um, yeah, okay. Um, that's a two for two, we agree on. So, next up, coming in at number 18, uh, I actually opened the episode with a track off this record. So, you might think I like it. I don't. Um, Let it go. The opening song from Peter Chris's uh, his second solo album after leaving Kiss. This is a hodgepodge of just weirdness. Um, it's poorly recorded, and, you know, I'm sure Peter was, like, thinking, you know, hey, you know, i am I got a raspy voice like Don Henley, and I used to be a drummer, and now I want to be a solo kind of crooner guy. He, uh, he, he did try to rock it up a little bit, but he does one of the worst covers I've ever heard in my life with uh, the John Lennon song. Oh, what was it called? Uh, shit. Oh, Jealous Guy. Uh, the John Lennon song, Jealous Guy, which is not really one of my favorite John Lennon songs anyway, but it's a good song, and Peter makes it not a good song. So I just uh, I don't really don't have a lot to say with it. Um, now, for the Die Hard Kiss fan, I, I, you should track it down and own it because there's a picture of a just-out-of-the-shower Peter on the cover, and who doesn't want that? Paul, any thoughts on this record?
1: It's a nightmare.
0: Yeah, okay, um... You know what, Paul? I'm going to give you a little bit of a breather here. Uh, why don't you take... Uh, I'll check back with you in a couple records. Um, maybe you have a new adjective you can throw in. But uh, if you're just going to you know, say it's a nightmare, uh, I, I don't know. I'm really am not sure why you're here. That brings us to number 17 with Vinnie Vincent. Uh, he had a, a little bit of a career after Kiss, and this is way after that. It's this uh, record called Speedball Jam. And the best I can tell, this... It sounds like it wasn't really an official release. I know physical CDs exist out there, but now contact me if you happen to own one and give me some information on it. But my understanding is these are basically CDRs and uh, printed on early, you know, computer laser full color printers or something like that. But Speedball Jam, you can find it on YouTube, and it literally is an hour long or however long it is. Guitar solo. <laughs> If you have an hour to kill and, boy, literally you've watched everything on YouTube, go ahead and check this out and just give it a listen. I don't know. Maybe play it in the background at a Jenga party or something. At least you can say you got through it. And we all know what Paul thinks about it, so we're going to move on to number 16. And this seems like a good time, as any, to point out that you'll notice I'm kind of blowing through these these early records, and that has a lot to do with the quality of it. And Kiss fans, you know, as far as like the fans that are fans of individual artists, two of the most passionate groups of fans fall for Vinnie Vincent and for Ace Freely. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Ace Freely fans because one of his records comes in next. And I will say this they are, they seem to be the one most willing to, you know, accept anything this guy will crank out and coming in at number 16 is a pretty good example although i don't hear a lot of people talking about how good this record is but most of the stuff that, that the members of kiss have released you know they are they 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 strive for mediocre they're just not high quality records and If you like it, great. What do I care? It doesn't bother me none. But I'm just trying to look at this, you know, without the Kiss sunglasses on, you know, my hot in the shade Kiss sunglasses, $5 in 1980 or 1990. Uh, I'm sure I could sell them for a lot more now if I could find them. But I, I took those off. I put them on, I put them down, and I'm trying to be as objective as possible. Would I actually like this if I wasn't a Kiss fan? And so far, it's a resounding no. I don't know that I would go out and purchase any of this. If I wasn't already like sucked into the whole KISS, you know, vortex that would, you know, basically alters the course of any diehard kiss fan's life. If you feel what I'm saying, you're the person I'm talking to. So coming in at number 16 is Ace Freely with second sighting. And I call it Ace Freely, but they, they changed the name to Freely's comet. Uh, I, I think to pass to, to pacify Todd Howarth and John Reagan and i you know cuz the first album was called Ace Freely and the title of the album was Freely's Comet at this point now Freely's Comet is a band and it revisionist history it, it seems to, to to almost include that that Freely's Comet record with this one but it, it's just not it, not accurate And I don't think Todd Howarth and John Regan should matter in the KISS universe. Sorry, it's just my opinion. Todd Howarth is kind of a weird dude. He's, you know, somehow a redhead and albino. I'm not really sure what's going on. And John Regan always dressed like he wanted to be in Phil Collins' bands. Just, I don't... Know why this urgency to to hold on to them, and of course Anton Fig, the one guy you want to keep is out by this point. He's taking the uh, steady David Letterman checks over the the sketchy up and down day to day life of being in the Ace Freely band. So he's replaced by Jamie Oldacker and I think he was in Clapton for a while. And boy, that guy just did not give a shit. I don't. I, he did not. I, the live performances I've seen by him, he was pretty much just mailing it in and making it an easy day for him. You could tell he had one foot out the door by the time he got on stage with the band. So anyway, go out and find that record. It's great. It's really just more of a Todd Howard solo album. Uh, Eddie Trunk, uh, he, uh, who of course we all know is close personal friends with Ace Frehley and he, he kind of brought Ace into the whole Force records, you know, deal. So uh, and he has gone on record in St. Ace was just kind of a mess. Eddie, do you have any thoughts about um, that you'd like to chime in with here? Uh, I have a
2: history working in the music business. I was an A&R guy uh-huh. yeah, um, yeah. and vice president at Megaforce Records from 86 to 90. Ooh. And I suggested Ace that's, Freely, being a huge Kiss fan. We years. tracked him down. We had a great lunch. It was surreal for me to that's be having way. lunch with one of my heroes.
0: Did you get... Uh, Double meat at Chipotle. (laughs) Sorry, that's when he eats with Vince Neil. Uh, That brings us to number 15. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you. Eddie Trunk, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, okay. Uh, Coming in at number 15 is Ace Freely once again with Origins Volume 1. And please let that mean that there is not going to be a Volume 2. That just seems like a warning, if anything. This record a lot of Ace fans really dug and one of the things is that Ace in 1978 recorded that solo album with Kiss and he had to be convinced to do the cover of New York Groove. He just didn't get the vision that Eddie Kramer was going for. Thank God he did because it became a big hit and it was the the best selling single on any of the records and Ace's record did very well and it's actually Ace's best work is his 1978 solo album in my expert opinion. But the problem was there was kind of an unintended uh, consequence, and that well, Ace, Ace loves himself some Ace, and Ace likes to talk about some Ace, and it's almost like just feeding some kind of ego monster. And don't get me wrong, it's not like the other members of Kiss don't have it, but Ace, when one thing works, that's all Ace does, and so suddenly he likes to do covers and. Uh, He's done some good ones, and he's done some not so much. I mean, I I enjoy the Do Ya cover he did on um uh, uh oh, what was the uh, shit Trouble Walking Records? Sorry about that. Um, and you know, I guess Fox and the Run on Anomaly was okay, but you know, it's just this seemed like a really bad idea, especially when I saw the track listing. You know, and I was intrigued uh, when I saw that he was actually going to do uh, a cover of Rock and Roll Hell. And then I heard it and I'm like, why? And that's kind of how my attitude is about the entire thing. Uh, the Kiss universe got their nuts in a tizzy because Paul sang in a song. And uh, <laughs> they may have been in the same room for the video shoot, but they weren't together when they recorded. It was emailing files back and forth. And I would love to talk to the person who helped Ace figure that out. But this album, I, I have listened to it once. I reviewed it. Uh, his girlfriend, uh, and we'll talk more on this in an upcoming episode of Cobras on Fire, but uh, the short end is his girlfriend did not care for my review. I also got shredded for a couple other dumb things, but look, it's just not that good. The, you cannot honestly tell me you enjoy this record enough to listen to it over and over and over again. And that's kind of how I'm rating these records, and and I gave this one a 2 out of 10 so, pretty much near the bottom. And yeah, that does mean some of the ones that, that we've already talked about got less than two. Onward and up the word, but one not to be outdone by being bad two times in a row. Ace Freely coming in at number 14 with his record Anomaly. The coolest thing about this record was if he bought it at Best Buy, it made a little pyramid. And. If you read the book by Ace Freely's side action, uh, God I can't remember her name Wendy Moore. yeah Wendy Moore uh, uh, who is kind of like the girl that Ace freely like you know kept in an apartment in Los Angeles during the reunion tour. Uh, she tells a nice little story about uh, pyramids, a vibrating egg and jerking off that I immediately started thinking about when I put my little pyramid of Ace freely anomaly together. This record is an improvement of some sorts over maybe second sighting or any of the Ace really records I've talked about, but honest to God, it isn't very good at all. Uh, the song Outer Space is really solid, and yet I've seen him uh, twice or three times since uh, this record came out, and he hasn't played it once. So apparently he doesn't believe uh, or doesn't agree with me. It's got the Fox in the Run cover, which, whatever, it's okay. Genghis Khan is just, I don't know, it's a pile of shit. And then there's there's this weird song. Let me just play a little snippet for you.
1: Daddy, have you ever seen an angel?
2: Sure, baby.
1: Well, what was it like?
2: The most beautiful thing I've ever seen.
0: Seriously, what the fuck is that? This is where I worry about the type of people they surround themselves with. Peter's recording a pile of shit in his house. And nobody listened to this and said, Ace, that's uh, that's pretty fucking gay. And not the good kind, by the way. That is the bad kind. That is so lame, so stupid, so corny. I don't even know... What the hell is it? It's the most beautiful thing in the world, Angel. He's like talking to a 30-year-old daughter. So anyway, um, Paul, what did you think of that? It's a nightmare. You know, that's a little harsh, Paul. I actually don't think this album's a nightmare. It has its redeeming moments, but most of it's, you know, not worth going back to. But I do recommend you check out the song Out of Space. One of my favorite all-time Ace Frehley songs, and it sounds magnificent. And, uh, you know, he actually sounds inspired on that track, unlike the rest of the record. Moving on, we have coming in at number 12, Gene Simmons with Asshole. Now, most people don't like this record, but I was pretty excited to hear it when it came out. And then I did. Uh, Then I was excited to uh, alphabetically slot it into my CD collection uh, in the proper chronological order. And that's pretty much where it's sad (laughs) since I should probably go dust. Uh, you know, but th- let's be honest, this this record really ended up being everything you would expect it to be if you were thinking about it. It's bloated, it's disjointed and directionless, it has every B.C. level celebrity he could get to perform on it. It's got Paul Stanley and Bruce Kulik, I wonder how he got those guys to get in there. And Dave Navarro's on there, um, uh, I can't remember if John 5, I know John 5 comes up on Paul's record, which is coming up, but not right now. There are a couple things I don't mind about this record. Sweet Dirty Love. If I'm built for speed, you're built for
1: love. Oh. Too much of the thing, but it's much too good. My sweet too. dog.
0: And Black Tongue. black. Wow. I'm afraid to ask, Paul, uh, what did you think about this record? It's a nightmare. Yeah, I had a hunch you were going to say that. Um, well, that brings us to number 11 on the definitive ranking of the non-Kiss Kiss records, which is the work that members of Kiss, once they left Kiss or were still in Kiss, went and did something outside of Kiss and called it something other than Kiss. How's that for an explanation? Peter Criss, out of control. He was uh, the first one of the original four to release a solo project oddly I thought considering how the everything kind of fell apart this album was released on Casablanca records and of course Peter thinks in hindsight that gene and Paul and Casablanca conspired against them that seems like an awful lot of I don't know time energy and money to spend just to make Peter feel bad about himself I like this record uh it's uh I mean it's not a it's not a rock and roll record but I think the songs are solid and, and Peter sounds great on it And, you know, anybody who listened to his 78 solo album knew Peter's heart wasn't really musically in hard rock. He wanted to be more of a, I don't know, a soft rock artist, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, And while his uh, 78 record may have felt like a bit of a betrayal to some of his fans, you couldn't really make the same claim with this album because we already knew. You know what I mean? So at this point, if you weren't, if you didn't like what he did in 1978 and you bought this, think you would get something else, I'm sorry, but I think that's on you. Coming in at number 10, people, now we're down to the top 10. The Vinnie Vincent box set. Now, if you've heard of the Vinnie Vincent box set, you're probably getting, you know, screaming at something or or wanting to yell at me and tell me, what the fuck are you talking about? Isn't that where he just jilted people out of money and gave them nothing in return? Yeah, for the most part. Uh, I know there are empty boxes that eventually showed up at some people's uh, addresses, yeah, he was charging like 300 bucks for cassette tapes of uh, his you know, home demos. And a lot of, like I said, Vinny has some diehard fans. Uh, Ace fans are passionate about what Ace does. Vinny fans are passionate about spending way too much money on Vinny products. I don't think Vinny has as many fans as Ace, but... They definitely get into it. Uh, you know, like our uh, our boss, our commander-in-chief over there at Decibel Geek, Chris Sinzak. Uh, I'm pretty sure he sleeps on a Vinnie Vincent pillow. But why would I put something on here that nobody's actually heard? <laughs> How did it come in at number 10? How did an album that the best I can tell you is that was showed up as an empty box with no actual music in it rank ahead of it? And I just want to put it this way. I think the myth and mystery of what actually did or did not happen of the Vinnie Vincent box set is far more interesting and far more worth anybody's time than listening to the previous 11 records. I'm going to play a snippet of the Vinnie Vincent box set. You ready? And I'm sorry, that's all the lawyers would let us play. Coming in at number nine, we have Vinnie Vincent again with Euphoria. Now, this was supposed to be a teaser for a... A full-length record called Guitar Mageddon, but you know, this is right around the time that Vinny was, you know, starting to really become his own worst enemy. I think this is shortly after he worked with Kiss on Revenge and somewhere between the 10th and 20th a lawsuit he filed against the band that he would eventually lose. Uh it kind of uh started the whole what the hell is going on with Vinny? What what's happening deal? And it, at least it has Robert Fleischman for fans of the uh, the, the first of any Vincent Invasion record uh, coming back and singing on it. I, I've i heard it. I don't think it's produced. I don't think it's... These are basically demos. Uh, it would have been fun to kind of hear them kind of fleshed out and, and played for the most part. But um, they weren't. So you can pay a lot of money and get a copy of it. But I don't know. Just move on to something else. You know, go... Buy an ice cream cone or something. At number eight, I'm going to just lump in all of Bruce Kulick's solo efforts with him because, frankly, I just don't have a lot of knowledge on him. I can tell you this. I've heard about half of all of it, uh, and I'm talking about the Bruce Kulick solo stuff, Audio Dog, uh, Transformer, BK3. I find the music very, very uh, adventurous and, and passionate and, and driven, I just don't. I think he needs someone to come in and help him finish up the songs with melody and lyrics, and probably sing on it. And I know on BK three, he brought in uh, Nick Simmons to sing a little bit. And I'm uh, well, having Nick Simmons sing on a track only serves to perpetuate the myth that Nick Simmons can sing. And well, let's just say he can't. Uh, But yeah, you know what? If you're fans of '80s Kiss and Bruce Kulick playing in particular, they're worth checking out. So. Bringing us to number seven, we have Freely's Comet, not the band, the debut album from Ace Freely. Eddie, this is like the, your, your first big splash at Megaforce. Do you have anything you'd like to say about this record?
2: I have a history working in the music business. Oh, I guy. was an A&R guy um, yeah. and vice president at Megaforce yeah, hey,
0: Records Eddie, Eddie, from 86 Eddie, to Eddie, 90. Eddie, 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 we get it. You're a big shot. Fuck's sake, yeah, would a little insight kill you? Ace, Ace, do you have anything you want to say about this record?
2: You know, I listened to my 78th solo album, you know, with New York <sighs> Groove, my first solo record. and
0: uh, yeah, yep, I own it. it.
2: has elements of everything from the past. You know, I was trying to re- Alcohol, uh, write songs. Car wrecks? Uh, with the fans in mind. I tried extra hard to put on my producer's shoes and my oh, uh, composing shoes. and
0: uh, Are they size you know, 10? The rest is history. um, (laughs) Okay. um, Well, I'll give you my thoughts on it. Um, It it may seem typical for bands uh, to release, to take five years to release a record nowadays, but in 1987, Ace Freely's fans had basically gone from pre puberty to almost graduating high school in the amount of time it was for him when he left Kiss. So when he came back from this, you know, it was kind of a little bit of a. I don't know it didn't get a big push, it didn't make a big hit. Uh, a lot of people consider this one of his best solo outbursts, but I gotta tell you there really it has its moments, but there isn't much good on here I mean, and way too much Todd Howarth. I just uh, i i got a confession to make if I haven't, I've tried to hide it, but you've probably figured up. I know I'm not a huge fan of Todd Howarth. I just think his singing and uh pale skin. Are a little bit unsettling, so he should not have had such a major impact on the two Ace Freely records he's involved with. You show up, play some rhythm guitar, I don't care. We're here to hear Ace, not you. But the song Dolls is like just flat out fucking creepy. I love my- Was there nobody? Eddie Kramer, my God, are you the, sitting there going, Great job. I love the song, Ace. Hey, seriously, it was nobody willing to stand up to this guy and go, Maybe we want to try something else. Maybe let's do another fucking cover. <laughs> by the way, there's a cover of a song by a band called 707 that they kind of rewrite and pretend it's a new Ace Frehley song. Uh, so Calling To You is the name of that. So for all you fans of Ace Freely, go out and get that record. I think I gave that a 6 of 10, which was, uh, I don't know, maybe a little generous, to be honest with you. Rock Soldiers is kind of fun. It's a really, really dumb song when you sit and listen to it. But if you go see him live, it's a hard song not to enjoy. So I give him that. Into the Night was a weird, I don't know, kind of a, I don't even know what to describe it. It's almost like he's trying to be... Clapton of the 80s at that point it's just uh, it, it's not surprising that song didn't turn into a huge hit and of course the song Breakout which Kiss later renamed Car Jam as a tribute to Eric Carr and you can find out more details on that on our Kiss Revenge episode but let's move on to number 6 coming in at number 6 is Chris Cat one, number 1 oh Peter it must have really been a uh, hot commodity to get signed to Tony Nicole tony records in oh i don't know i think it was 94 95 it was shortly before the reunion because i know him and ace went on the bad boys tour and that would have actually been kind of fun to see i I know some friends of mine have have, were able to take it in they did not make it my way enough and uh i was really broke in the mid-90s so it was all i could do to scrap up 100 bucks to go to the kiss convention but I think this record's okay. I, I gave it a solid six, just like uh, the the Ace Freely Freely's comment record. Uh, you know, Peter's surprisingly it's not that poorly produced, and it's got a couple cool tracks on it. It's got a goofy cover where Peter's makeup is on half of his face and not the other half, and he's blonde. and It says featuring Ace Freely, but if you read the credits, you have no idea. What song Ace is supposed to be on? Uh, but that said, it seemed like he got himself a decent group of musicians and managed to put together, I don't know, some solid tracks on it. I'm going to feature one right now. The horribly titled Bad People Burn in Hell.
1: people.
0: This the beginning of a strutter there at the end, Pete. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pete. Shuffling my notes like I'm David Letterman. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> oh, my Lord, it is so hard to talk to yourself doing this. But I'm almost there. I can see the finish line. And we're at the music-heavy part of the program, so I hope you didn't mind me chatting away at the beginning, but I really just didn't want to feature music for most of that crap. Next up at number five, a solid number five, we have the return of Ace Freely, one of the most productive members on this list, despite all the negative things Gene and Paul have been saying about him for 30 years. Trouble Walking is easily my favorite Ace Freely solo record, and I, I know I'm not exactly uh, breaking new ground with that opinion. But it is really good, and Todd Howarth is finally out of the fucking picture, man. Uh In His Place is a much more, at least at the time, uh, fitting Richie Scarlett, and uh, this record is, I don't know. Ace, tell me about this record. What were, what were you trying to do here? You
2: know, I listened to my 78th solo album, you know, with New York Groove. Again? My first solo record, and... Uh...
0: Yeah, I. I it I has
2: elements understand. of everything from the past. You know, I was trying to <sighs> re, uh, write songs
0: uh, uh,
2: with the fans in mind.
0: Is there uh, anything special about this record that not, doesn't tie into the 1978 solo record, you'd like to say?
2: I tried extra hard to put oh, on my producer good. shoes and my uh, composing shoes. Oh, give me the uh, shoes. You know, What's the, the rest? The rest is history.
0: Okay, thanks. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you find that so fucking funny. Anyway, uh, Trouble Walking has so many cool tunes on this thing, man. You know, uh, I would say if there's a weak song on here, it has to be Five Card Stud. But it opens with Shot Full of Rock, a great cover, the the ELO song. Do you, ya. do you, ya, do you want my love? Um, and I never understood this whole Hide Your Heart is like the back on the streets of Kiss. Why do so many people cover this fucking song? And It's like, it was Bonnie Tyler, Molly Hatchett, Ace Frehley, and of course, Kiss himself recorded it. Uh, yeah, Ace's version of that is, I don't know, unnecessary. Let's just put it that way. Lost in Limbo is a fun track. Uh, the title track, Trouble Walking. Um, I didn't really need another fractured mirror instrumental. Uh, I thought he perfected it on the 78 record, but you know... He's always dipping back to 1978 to uh, to inspire himself, but I'm going to play my favorite song on this record, and it should be yours. If you're in your car, try not to get caught speeding because this is a hard one to not push the gas pedal down. And of course, I'm talking about "Too Young to Die." Take it away, Ace. <laughs> that make you feel better oh man i do not want to kick a pet right now i do not coming in at number five twice in a row okay i can't count this is 5.2 i'm sorry i I used a marker not pencil so that's 5.2 this is 5.1 paul stanley would live to win this record gets destroyed by the Kiss Army. I don't get it. What, Paul Went Pop? Big deal. The songs are pretty fucking cool. I dig them. And, of course, he's got his own little celebrity get-together. He, John 5 appears on this one. And I don't get he, he brings Bruce Kulik on, of course, to play bass. <laughs> I don't want to get into that Oh my lord But yeah apparently Paul Stanley thinks Bruce Kulick is a great bass player Let's get right into it Because I'm running out of time I love this album Almost all the non-ballad songs are kick ass And a couple of the ballads are okay This is the last song on the record Live to win This song is called Where Eagles There <laughs>
1: They say
0: Consider your thoughts on the record. I don't think anything will. Coming in at number four at the definitive countdown, ranking, whatever you want to call it, of the non-Kiss Kiss records, Bruce Kulik got kicked out of Kiss just before John Karabi got kicked out of Motley Crue, and they formed a union, and they cleverly called it Union. Their second record comes in at number four, The Blue Room. Um, You know, I I like this one. I didn't like it quite as much as the debut record. And uh, I'm going to let you in a little secret. I'm going to play a song from that. But other than that, you know, John Karabi, I've said it so many times, he's got that voice that I can listen to him sing just about anything. I could listen to him sing Gene's book. Moving on to number three, The Vinnie Vincent Invasion with their second album. Again, just like Union, their second one. All Systems Go... Mark Slaughter took over lead vocal duties for this one. It is a pretty solid representation of the most extreme of 80s hair metal. I'm sorry, Eddie Trunk, I'm using the term. Get over it, okay? I know you were an insider and you had a job for four years. Yeah, you know what? I I like Mark Slaughter as a singer. And, of course, we all know the story that basically they thought it was best to... Have meetings behind the back of the most paranoid man in rock and roll. What's the worst that could happen? And, of course, everything fell apart. Uh, Chrysalis got rid of Vinny and kept Mark Slaughter and Dana Strom. They formed Slaughter and went on to sell a bunch of records, at least more than Vinny did. And they are kind of the last gasp of the 90s, if you think, of, or the, the whole hair metal movement. Uh, they, I think that their debut record, Stick It To You, came out in 90, and then things kind of went away from there um this is pretty cool record i would recommend ashes to ashes dirty rhythm let freedom rock the song that time of year got a little bit of buzz for being in or no that was love kills Uh, a little buzz for being in the uh out of one of the uh, nightmare in elm street movies i thought the song was kind of overrated but a lot of people like it and if you do fine whatever let's move on Coming in at number two is Union's debut self-titled record. I already talked about them. We uh, had the marriage of Bruce Kulik and John Karabi's as jilted lovers kind of not ready to get, start a relationship but then finding each other and starting a relationship. You know what I mean? Kind of like John Cusack uh, hooking up with that kind of gnarly-looking chick in uh, High Fidelity. This record is phenomenal. It's a solid 9 out of 10. If you haven't heard it, and you're a Kiss fan, and you, and if you can at least appreciate the work of Bruce Kulick, check this album out. It is just, I don't know, from front to act, front to front to act, beginning to end. I enjoy it. I can put it on any time. Um, the song, the record closes with kind of like this, kind of just an acoustic thing, and and karabi singing, and it just, it's just a heart melting way to end a record. And it's, that song is called Robin Song, but that's not what I'm going to play. Off the debut record from the band Union, give it up for love. I don't need it anymore.
1: Morning light lands on the face another.
0: final thoughts? What do you think about the Union record, Paul?
1: It's a nightmare.
0: Oh, of course. Uh, Eddie Trunk, do you have anything you'd like to say before we leave?
2: I have a history working in the music business. I was an A&R guy. yeah, Vice President
0: of Megaforce at, uh, Records we, uh, from 86 to for, 90. Thank you for joining the show, Eddie. I really appreciate that. Um, Ace, any final thoughts? Now, the rest is history. <laughs> uh, I still don't... I, I, Whatever. Thank you for coming, Ace. Uh coming in at number one on the definitive ranking of the non-Kiss Kiss albums. Of course, it's Vinnie Vincent Invasion with their self-titled debut. I don't think anyone realized it at the time, but post kiss, Vinnie Vincent had something to prove, if you ask me. The opening track erupts like a like a virgin's male on his wedding night just this record, it's an oral assault. It is so over the top. it. And as much as it's perfectly, it's it's like a time capsule of the time. You know what I mean? Of all things 80s metal, it holds up great. Robert Fleischman, who was in Journey, fucking kills on this record, man. I, I mean, if when I would play the song Shoot You Full of Love and Crank It Too Loud... I mean, I swear to God, dogs would be ejaculating all over neighbors' yards. It was just, it was this insane thing. Look, Vinny was never really meant for Kiss. And he backed it up when he left, you know what I mean? It's like, if there's any evidence you ever needed that Vinny just didn't really have that much interest in doing Kiss music, this record proves it, and everything else he's done since, of course. It is so over the top. It is so beautiful. It's got hooks. It's got melodies. It's got everything. And if you don't like this record, I don't know what the hell to tell you. It's it's almost perfect. I mean, I suppose it's a bit of an acquired taste, but it didn't take long for me to acquire it. And I love it and highly recommend it. And of course, it belongs at number one, right? I mean, this guy is like some kind of weird enigma, but this record is magnificent. And if you don't own it, if you haven't heard it, you're probably not listening to me talk right now. But if you, if any, if, if there's any chance you're just unfamiliar with this record, go hunt it down. They've got the uh, remaster version available for you. Go to Amazon; it's going to be the best eight bucks you ever spent in your life. And with that, I would just like to thank uh, Loose Cannon for uh, you know. Whatever he's going to offer on his episode. Uh, I promise you we'll both be back with a full-on Cobras and Fire, Loose and Baco episode very soon. Uh, Merry Christmas in July. Uh, thanks to Decibel Geek for letting us poke a little fun and take their idea. And with that, Rock's not dead.
1: It's fighting.
0: And you found it under a stack of records that nobody bought. <laughs>